Good evening, ladies, gentlemen, graduates. What an exciting day. Uh, I am so privileged to be able to be here sh to share with you guys. Uh, like I said in class, so excited that you guys asked me to come do this. And I really do count this a great privilege. And so, of course, knowing that speeches like this are, you know, they're, they're a big deal. So, of course, like I'm sure you guys would, I went and did a Google search on what makes a good graduation speech. And in doing so, I discovered things like that traditionally, themes for graduation speeches center around ideas such as follow your dreams, believe in yourself, how failure is important for success, and the power of hard work and perseverance. And of course, if I was to give such a speech, I would need to marry it to a really good inspirational quote. Uh, some of the ones I found were things like, the adventure ahead of you is the journey to fulfill your own purpose and potential. Or, think of your degree as your ticket to change the world. Or my personal favorite, the future belongs to those who believe in the beauty of their dreams. Isn't that lovely? Do you believe in the beauty of your dreams tonight? And here's the thing. You guys know that this is drivel. This is cheesy, mushy drivel. And you guys are savvy to this sort of thing, and I know that you guys are past the hype. Uh, you guys were spoon-fed these sorts of messages by Disney from the crib. And I think you guys are old enough and savvy enough and wise enough to know that this isn't the way the world works. You guys aren't going to change the world. It might come as a shock, but you guys aren't going to live extraordinary lives. But like the rest of us, your lives are going to be ordinary. You guys are going to work ordinary jobs, raise ordinary families, go to ordinary churches, and live in ordinary houses, just like your parents, just like the rest of us. And why is this not depressing? Well, this could sound like, man, is life really just that, a slog, hard work, just grinding it out? And it can be like that in the world, but here's the thing, guys, is that an ordinary life for us is the ordinary life of a Christian. And the ordinary Christian life can be a deeply satisfying, joy-filled life. And what's the key to living a joy-filled, deeply satisfying, ordinary Christian life? And here's what I think we see in the scripture. One of the great keys of this is the idea of service. To be a servant. To be a happy servant. This is the root to this sort of life. If I was to have a title for this speech, I would call it probably the happy servant. And our theme verse comes from Mark 10, 45, where Jesus said, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. If your goal in life is to be served, you're going to be terribly unhappy. But if you are going to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, really the happiest person who ever lived, then you're going to have to follow in his footsteps and be a servant. This is the route to the joy-filled, deeply satisfying, ordinary Christian life. We're going to look at what this means in four primary spheres. We're going to look at what it means to serve God, to serve our families, to serve the church, and to serve 
society. So first, serve your God, graduates. As uh, the great theologian Bob Dylan once said, you're going to have to serve somebody. And either you're going to be a servant of sin, a servant of your lusts, enslaved to the desires for sex and food, or money and possessions, or pride and power. And these sorts of masters are terrible, harsh taskmasters. But this is the beauty of the gospel. Like our verse says, Christ came to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. A ransom. That means that Christ paid the price to buy us back from slavery to lust, to buy us back from slavery to sin, and free us that we can serve God. And we can serve God in freedom and in joy. And that is the life that he calls us to. We're called to be servants of God. And before anything else, graduates, today, you need to determine that you are going to serve God. Like Joshua said to the people, he said, choose this day whom you're going to serve. You can choose to serve yourselves, or you can choose to serve the God that loved you and gave himself for you. You can live to serve your lusts, or you can live to serve Christ. So choose, above all, to bind yourself to Christ, to forsake a life of sin, and to live a life to God by faith in the Son of God. Choose to live that sort of life. Be a servant of God. And once you're determined to be a servant of God, then it's the question of what does it mean to serve God? Because we know that scripture tells us that God isn't served by human hands as though he needed anything. So to serve God, I think it's probably best for us to think about it as what does it mean to please God? This is what uh, Paul says when he says in 2 Corinthians 5, 9, he says, we make it our aim to be well-pleasing to him. The servant of God seeks to please God in everything. That is, to factor God into every thought, every situation, and every action. To live in the true reality of God. Factoring God into everything in life. Do you guys do that? Factoring God into everything. Um, I think we can see this idea clearly in the example of romantic relationships. Um, let me talk to you about what I might call the Julie factor. So my wife Julie is here tonight, and just a year ago at this time, we were in the throes of our dating relationships. And so as any good boyfriend, I knew that it was very important for me to try to figure out the types of things Julie liked and the types of things Julie didn't like. So of course, I had an app on my phone, and every time Julie mentioned a preference she had, I made a note of it. And I would come up with things like, likes Italian food, no-go on the spicy food, likes dark colors, hiking, yes, swimming, no. And so when she compliments my burgundy sweater, I wear it all the time. But when she disses my jogger pants, they never touch my legs again. Because this is what you do when you're in love. You want to please the person. What does Julie think about how I look, about what we're going to eat, about this date idea, how I'm interacting with her family, how I'm talking. This is what you do when you really care to please someone. And imagine if we cared about pleasing God as much as we cared about pleasing our crushes. What does God think about how I talk, about how I dress, 
about what I think, about how I live and interact with others. We need to find out to be diligent to discover what pleases God. Paul says in Ephesians 5.10 to be always finding out what pleases God. And where do we see this? You guys know. It's in his word. So diligently search the word of God so that you can learn to love what God loves and hate what God hates. To be a servant who is well-pleasing to him. Remembering that in order to serve God at all, you first need to be a servant of God. To bind yourself to Christ. To repent of your sin and believe the gospel. And this is the beginning of that joy-filled, deeply satisfying, ordinary Christian life that we're talking about. It starts with serving God. So first, serve God, and then serve your family. To a large extent, your guys' personal happiness is going to be bound up with the happiness of your homes. And the happiness of your homes are, to a large extent, going to be bound up with how well the members of your home serve one another. And this is a challenge for us, because we are hardwired from our earliest days to be served, to take and take and take without giving back in return. And this is difficult for all of us in our families. Um, Think of kids' birthdays. This is literally like the best day for them of the year. They get presents, they get to pick the sorts of food or dessert they want, they get their friends over to play all sorts of games, do activities, but who is the most likely to melt down and freak out out of kid's birthday? It's the birthday boy or girl. They're the ones, even though it's all about them, it corrupts the mind, this idea that we ought to be served. So even though the kid is being served so much, it's, well, I didn't get the first piece of cake. I didn't get the right toy. I didn't win the game. And this is toxic, and it's really a temptation for all of us to think of our homes as bastions for our own luxury and comfort, and that everything in our homes should center around us. And this attitude is deadly. And so how do we counteract this tendency, this tendency to want to be served? Well, it's one way is to proactively go outside of ourselves and serve. And this will look differently for us in different seasons of life. And just a couple practical ideas here. For you guys that are going to be spending some more time living with your family, this could look like not complaining when you get asked to do stuff. Having been given so much to respond joyfully and serve without bickering and complaining. Or it might look like proactively serving without being asked. This is an important quality to learn to instill in yourself. So when you see that the dishwasher has finished a load, empty it. When you walk to the trash and the piece of garbage you put in falls out because it's so full, don't you dare walk away from that trash can, but take it out, empty it, and replace the bag. And in doing just these sorts of little simple things, we learn to get that selfishness out of us and to learn to serve. And another thing on this topic, just a word about marriage. A good marriage is one where each spouse is truly seeking to serve the other, where each person is committed to the other's good, the other's flourishing, the other's service. And so when you're looking for someone to marry, which you guys will very shortly, I'm sure, look for someone who you can delight to serve, 
Someone who you find joy in helping them grow and flourish. And look for someone that delights to serve you. And doing this will make for a wonderful match. Um, I think the best marriages are the ones where each person thinks that they got the better end of the deal. You with me? So serve God, but then also serve your family. This is going to be the way to a joy-filled, deeply satisfying, ordinary Christian life. Thirdly, serve your church. This is like our extended family, you could say, our spiritual family. And the first way I want you guys to serve your churches is by worshiping God with them. Jesus Christ is present in a really special way in our public worship. And we actually serve one another by worshiping God together. This is something you can't replicate on your own. The corporate worship of God is something God loves. But, guys, don't make the mistake that many others do and stop with just being a church attender. Because if you do, the temptation for selfishness comes again and you start to think church is all about you. Is this the kind of music I like? Do I like this kind of preaching? Am I getting invited over enough? Are people reaching out enough to me? And this is corrupting because we're called to serve our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we serve in the church in many ways. And here's where I think the problem in our thinking comes in. You might hear about serving in the church, but the problem is that service in the church is often, it's relegated to official, formal service opportunities, like helping with nursery, Sunday school, greeting, ushering, all of which are good things. But those slots are limited. And 1 Peter 4.11 tells us that there are Really, you could say two general categories of spiritual gifts. We have speaking gifts, and we have serving gifts. We are called to serve our brothers and sisters in Christ with our mouths and with our hands. And this is simple but powerful, and it's service outside of normal, formal context. So if your brother or sister is discouraged, encourage them. If they're happy, rejoice with them. Help in practical ways, like helping someone move or babysitting. And actually, I think one of the real ways we can serve, and service is really meeting needs, isn't it? I think a need a lot of us have in the church is the need for good, godly friends. There's so many people who are lonely, and especially for you guys that are going to be going off to college and moving away from all your friends here. Seek as much as you can to develop solid, healthy friendships in your church. And serve others by being a friend to them. Uh, when thinking about serving in the church, I inevitably think about my friend Caleb. Caleb is such a happy servant. He serves with his words and he serves with his deeds. Uh, just last fall, uh, my wife and I, and I, at the home we were going to move into, we needed to do a lot of landscaping, uh, removing brush and stuff around the property. And Caleb found out about this, and he actually, we didn't really know each other even at the time. But literally every Sunday, he would come up to us and say, hey, I'm just looking for an opportunity to use my chainsaw. Can I come over and help you guys on your property? I heard you were needing help. Then next Sunday, same thing, and same thing, until we finally had a little bit of a work beat, and Caleb came with his chainsaw. And I can still remember him out in the backyard with his chainsaw singing hymns to himself. And I'm like, who is this guy, you know? And when I went to him later and really thanked him, he said, no, don't thank me. It's my joy to serve. I delight to do this. I get the blessing when I serve. 
Really amazing. But he doesn't just serve with his deeds, he serves with his words. Every time you see him, Caleb will say, how can I be praying for you? And when you let him know, next Sunday he says, hey, how's that thing going? I was praying for you this week. And you leave so encouraged because Caleb serves in all these ways. So guys, be like Caleb. Serve your church family with your words and with your deeds. Build relationships. Get outside of yourself and get into the lives of others. So serve your God, serve your family, and serve your church. And lastly, serve society. And this is going to be the thing that's really the most directly in front of you right now. Because when we're talking about serving society, we're talking about your vocation, your day-to-day work. And here again, we need to think of ourselves as servants. You see, our thinking has been so warped by our culture, again, to think that work is all about me. How much am I getting paid? What are my benefits? How well am I being treated? How fulfilled do I feel in this job? And these are fine and good considerations in their place, but if they're your sole focus, you will be unhappy, always worried you are getting the short end of the stick, always thinking there's better opportunities elsewhere, always upset and complaining against your managers, coworkers, or customers or clients. And I want to challenge your guys' thinking here, because I believe that your vocational work is going to be the primary way that you guys fulfill the biblical command to love your neighbor. You guys remember the second greatest commandment? To love your neighbor as yourself. And this is really what we're doing in our work. We are serving people by meeting their needs. People have all sorts of needs. We need groceries stocked. We, may, we need burgers made when we're in a rush. We need cars re- repaired, taxes completed, children educated. And all these acts are acts of service. And just because you get paid to do it doesn't negate it being an act of service. We talk about customer service, after all, don't we? And there are two primary ways that I want you guys to think about serving society in your work. The first way is to serve by being kind and cheery and friendly in what you do. And secondly, I want you guys to serve by doing good work, quality work, skilled work. So that is, be kind as you work and be skilled in your work. Treat people well and do your work well. Uh, There was three times recently where I was buying corn on the cob at Meijer. And, you know, it's summer. It's corn on the cob time, right? Uh, Most recently, eight cobs for a dollar. Now, that is a phenomenal deal. I recommend eight cobs for a dollar when you guys have your own families. Um, But I was going through the self-checkout, you know, because I'm an introvert, kind of, and don't want to go to the cash register. So I'm going through the self-checkout, and of course, each time I forget to write down that number that I can enter in, and I end up making some mistake on the machine. I'm sure you guys have been there. And each of these three times, I was helped by a different person. And my wife didn't believe this is a true story, but this is true, and this is the order this happened in. So the first time this happened, this young lady helped me, and she was very nice, but she was very slow. And so I left feeling kind of annoyed, but it was all right. That was okay. The second time, a young guy helped me, and he was really speedy and efficient, but he was, like, rude to me. He said to me, he's like, 
um, if you had written down the number, this would have gone a lot quicker. I'm like, thanks, I wouldn't be in this situation if I had done that, you know? So I left feeling like really bland, like that was not a great experience. But then the third time, this older lady helped me and she was speedy on that machine and so nice to me and pleasant as she did it. And I went in thinking like Goldilocks, this one was just right. <laughs> because you always need to be like the corn lady. Be kind in your work and be skilled as you work. And as you do this, this is how you're going to serve people in society. Graduates, this is the path to the joy-filled, deeply satisfying, ordinary Christian life. It's the life of the happy servant, to serve your God, to serve your family, to serve your church, and to serve society. And I want to conclude with just three thoughts or caveats, if you will. First off, this service-oriented life is impossible on your own. You don't have the strength to do it. And so every day, you need to be praying that God would grant you the power of his Holy Spirit to equip you to serve in amazing and unimaginable ways. You need the strength of the Spirit to do this. Secondly, you need to remember that you're going to fail at this every single day. Every single day we succumb to selfishness in so many ways. So you need to learn every day to come to Christ for forgiveness and peace. And thirdly, you need to remember that we do not serve so as to merit favor with God. Our service does not affect the Father's love for us. If you are in Christ and trusting in Christ for salvation, then you are as fully and completely loved now as you will ever be. And whether you fail in service or succeed in service is not going to change that fact. Dear graduates, there is no better way to live than to give up serving yourself and to give yourself to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, to serve the family he's gifted you, to serve the church that he's purchased with his own blood, and to serve this world he's brilliantly created. So go out, serve in this way, and learn to live the joy-filled, deeply satisfying, ordinary Christian life, the life of the happy servant. This is the life I deeply desire each one of you to go out and live. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what this day means, this mark of accomplishment, this mark of commissioning, where there are graduates going out to new fields of study, new occupations. And Lord, we ask that even now your Holy Spirit would begin equipping them to serve in supernatural and powerful ways, that they would love selflessly, serve passionately, worship zealously, that they would be servants of their blessed Lord Jesus, that they would love their families, that you would bring them wonderful spouses, that they would raise amazing children for the glory of God, that they would be active in their churches, active in the lives of their brothers and sisters in Christ, passing on what you've given them for the good of others. And Lord, we pray that they will be effective in their work, that you will lead them to the careers you have for them, that you will lead them in the path ahead. Lord, that they would do this trusting in you, following you, loving you, committed to Christ every step of the way. We pray this in his blessed name. Amen.